Slick Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise to Jesus Christ. Good morning and welcome to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's great to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. Wherever you're going today, I hope that it's going to be a great day. We're going to be praying for your intentions here in just a few minutes. But uh, the team is here. Good morning, Emily. Morning, Joe. How are you doing? Praise God I'm alive. And that counts, doesn't it? Absolutely. (laughs) Now, uh, Adrian Fonseca is producing for us. Good morning, Adrian. Top of the morning to you. Uh, we got a great show lined up today. Uh, in fact, uh, it's always a good day when you get to speak to a bishop during your, the course of your day, right? Praise God for that. So Bishop Strickland will be on in the next hour. For anybody who's able to join us in the next hour, it's going to be a great hour. Bishop Strickland will be on. We'll, we'll talk about uh, the vaccine issue with him. But in this hour, great program lined up this hour. My buddy Mark Hauk from the Kingsman Apostolate is going to be on. We're, we're going to talk about 2020 uh, in, a, uh, in a, it's a year of great fortitude, right? It was a year of opportunity to to grow in grace in many ways. And I think we can all agree with the difficulties that are still ahead of us and behind us. Uh, maybe we can reflect a little bit on the year with, with Mark Houck from the King's Men Apostolate, who's doing wonderful work in um, n- not just men's ministry, but in healing ministry itself. And we'll discuss that with him as well. So that's on the program this hour. Plus, we have breaking news and stories with Emily Alcaraz. And uh, we have the What's Concerning Us section and Emily, I don't, I don't think we reported this. I think it, the news broke just as we were going off the air that there was a bishop in Nigeria who had been kidnapped. Did you report on that yesterday? No, it's in the headlines for today, but no, it came, the news came out too late for our show. So that's in the What's Concerning Us section, plus uh, the, uh, the authorities are saying that they were warned a year ago about the, the guy with the RV and the bombs in Nashville. Um, that's an that's an interesting story uh, that we'll talk about in the What's Concerning Us section. Plus, the Delaware computer shop owner who had to close his business down because he is his life was threatened uh, is suing Twitter. We'll discuss that as well as any other stories in the What's Concerning Us. So, so much to talk about today. We're so glad that you're a part of our program, uh, the Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Let's begin with prayer. So uh, bring your intentions together and let's offer them up. Uh, For me, I'm praying for our team. I'm praying for our equipment and our show today. I'm praying also for the repose of the soul of Armando, our teammate who passed away. May God rest his soul. May God give grace and peace to his his family. And for all those that are suffering uh, intensely, with COVID. I mean, there are many people who, who suffer quite a bit through COVID. And let's offer their uh, health and their well-being and God's provision for their families up as well today. So what are, my dear listener, whatever you're struggling with today, physically, materially, financially, spiritually, whatever's on your heart, whatever you need prayers for, let's unite our intentions and bring them to Our Lady that she may whisper them into the ear of her son, that he may draw us ever so more closely into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. 
The man who committed an anti-Catholic hate crime is being prosecuted for murder. On December 28th, authorities announced that Jesse Martinez, a COVID-19 patient who beat a fellow patient to death because he was praying, will be arraigned on December 31st for murder, elder abuse, and religion-motivated hate crime. The victim, David Hernandez Garcia, an 82-year-old Catholic Latino man, was a resident of Lancaster, California. He was being treated for a COVID-19 infection in a two-person room. City officials said there is little the hospital could have done to prevent the violence, given that the hospital, an urgent care center, was drastically understaffed and their medical staff was suffering from exhaustion. Martinez could face up to 28 years to life in state prison if convicted as charged. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has introduced a bill that combines a $2,000 stimulus with more of the president's interests. The bill would repeal a law that shields big tech companies and would introduce a review of voter fraud allegations. News of the new bill came after McConnell earlier blocked a request for unanimous consent for the Cash Act from Senate Majority Leader, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer which was missing the president's demands for a limit to legal protections on tech companies and for Congress to ensure the integrity of the 2020 election. McConnell indicated on Tuesday that the Senate would begin a process to focus on the issues highlighted in his new bill this week. Catholics are being asked to pray for the safe return of a kidnapped Nigerian bishop. Bishop Chikwe, who is the auxiliary bishop of the Archdiocese of Oweri in Nigeria, was kidnapped on the night of Sunday, December 27th. Bishop Chikwe's abduction is the latest in a series of kidnappings that have targeted clergy in Nigeria, although he is the first bishop to be captured. The U.S. State Department listed Nigeria among the worst countries for religious freedom, alongside China, North Korea, and Saudi Arabia. Currently, Bishop Chikwe's whereabouts remain unknown. President Donald Trump praised a Catholic martyr for religious freedom on Tuesday. Yesterday, the White House issued a proclamation praising St. Thomas Becket, an English archbishop who was martyred 850 years ago after conflict with King Henry II over the rights of the Church. The proclamation, released on December 29th, stated, quote, Before the Magna Carta was drafted, before the right to free exercise of religion was enshrined as America's first freedom in our glorious Constitution, Thomas gave his life so that the church will attain liberty and peace. President Trump went on to praise Cardinal Joseph Zen of Hong Kong, the cardinal who has been standing up for the underground Catholic Church in China. The president's statement concluded with these words, A society without religion cannot prosper. A nation without faith cannot endure. Because justice, goodness, and peace cannot prevail without the grace of God. These are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Emily, for that. Um, St. Edwin, pray for us. St. Edwin of Worcester, born in the 7th century. He was of English nobility, descendant of the uh, Mercian kings. But as a young boy, he was consecrated and would eventually become a Benedictine monk. He was uh, named Bishop of Worcester in 692, but the diocese needed reform. And he went after it with great zeal. Some would say too much zeal, and he was too hard on his bishops. And uh, it became a, a real issue for, for his flock. So what he did was he decided to take upon himself great penance as a way to, to uh, demonstrate not only leadership, but his sorrow for, for the damage that he would have caused. 
So he decided he was going to make a pilgrimage trip to Rome. He did so barefoot, but he didn't stop there. He chained his feet and he threw away the key, threw the key, the key in the uh, Avon River, and then he walked all the way to Rome from England. Obviously, there was a boat ride in between. However, he gets to Rome. He goes to the marketplace to buy some food, and he gets a fish in the marketplace. In the belly of the fish, he finds the key to unlock the chains. His penance had been served. He would eventually found a Benedictine monastery at Evesham, which is the site of an apparition of a, the Blessed Virgin Mary, to a shepherd. And he would die on uh, December the 30th, 717, from natural causes. St. Edwin of Worcester, pray for us. Today's gospel comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 40. It is a continuation from yesterday. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped day and night with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at the very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to, who, to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the, pre the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, in all things. Um, a couple of points here on this gospel today. I was just just before the show started. Uh, producer Adrian and I were discussing uh, this particular passage, and I remember back in 2009, I was producing a, uh, I was hosting a radio show called "Behold the Man," and I had uh, produced a series of Christmas. Uh, reflections, one on the Gospel of Matthew, one on the Gospel of Luke. I think I did another one on the book of Revelation uh, in, in light of Christmas. But on the one on Luke, I particularly re referenced a commentary from Raymond Brown, Father Raymond Brown. And he did a parallel study between Daniel chapter 9 and Luke chapter 1 and 2. And one of the fascinating th points about uh, this passage or this reflection was the 240 days so if you look at Daniel chapter 9, and starting, I think, in verse uh, 27, if I'm not mistaken, you will see that, uh, that there's a, a fascinating timeline that goes on, starting in verse, uh, go to verse 20 and go all the way down to verse 28, and Daniel chapter 9, you'll see it. There's a, there's a, a, a series of weeks culminating in the, uh, the pause of sacrifices in the temple, and when you compare that in parallel to Luke chapter 1 and 2, and you realize there are 240 days uh, from the moment uh, Zechariah uh, speaks to Gabriel to the presentation of, the G of Jesus in the temple, there's 240 days, which is exact match to what's in Daniel's prophecy. And you see that it's the child Jesus being presented at the temple that would ultimately pause the sacrifices in the temple. It's a fascinating parallel, and I would encourage you to study that further. But with Anna in particular, 
She's a prophetess, similar to the women in the Old Testament, right? So, you know, Miriam in Exodus 15, and Deborah in Judges 4, and Huldah in 2 Kings 22. These women who spoke on behalf of Israel, spoke for their, their betterment, spoke in anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. And Anna is among that, uh, among that line of great women in the, in the Bible. And I think it points to, again, this great expectation that because of the prophecies in Daniel, they were expecting the coming of the Messiah. And here was Anna, the old Testament prophets, focusing and looking for the day of the coming of the Lord and then being able to see it. And uh, to steal from uh, uh, producer Adrian, uh, Cornelius Alapide, the great biblical scholar, uh, he actually has this wonderful uh, sense in there, the allegorical sense. He says, the shepherds saw Christ, the magi adored Christ, but it was Simeon and Anna that embraced Christ. And as we grow old and more and more advanced in our spirituality, let us be like Simeon and Anna and embrace Christ. Uh, Adrian, what say you? Well, you stole what I was going to talk about, so <laughs> I uh, I still have something to talk about. I'll approach it from the different angle, uh, but I just I also want to talk about the prophetess of being uh, of Anna being a prophetess. Except I do wanted to emphasize the point that you see you look at uh, at the at the prophets of the Old Testament. And the prophets of the Old Testament end at a certain time, and there's no more prophets leading up to the time of Christ. But mm. at the time of Christ, and Fulton Sheen talks about this too uh, in his meditation on uh, the church and the Catholicism, and he tries to prove that the Catholic Church is the one true church, assuming you don't believe in the faith. And in it, he talks about how it would be wrong for our Lord to come to the world and uh, without being first announced. And so throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, he's announced. And then all of a sudden, the prophets stop. And yeah. they start up again at the time of Christ. And at that time, the angels prophesy him. the His parents prophesy of him. The uh, uh, people of both sexes, both people of young and old age, the mm. dumb speak, the virgins conceive, the barren bring forth, and uh, the wise men adore, the Elizabeth prophesies and the whole uh, the whole world starts screaming and shouting that the Savior is here. And so yeah. I thought that was a very interesting point uh, that Cornelius Lapide brings up. It is fascinating, and it gives us an opportunity to really reflect on what this gift is. And I, I, it's part of the reason why uh, in the uh, the extraordinary form of the Mass, the, la- the last gospel, right, always reflects on the incarnation of Christ, that God took upon flesh and and dwelt among men. And it's a, it's a constant reminder. Uh, the whole world paused. It's held its breath for this one moment of time. Creation itself took a pause. And we should too. And Christmas is still going. We're within the octave. So celebrate Christmas today. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back with the What's Concerning Us section. Several stories in the news. We want to chat about that. Plus, our conversation with Mark Halk is still to come right here at Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We'll be right back. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. And it's a beautiful order. And not only is it beautiful, it's order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. Atheists have often viewed belief in God as wishful thinking, a projection of an idea because man fears death. But is this a fair claim? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. 
first, not everyone accepts God's existence for this reason. There are many who acknowledge His existence on the grounds of reasonable arguments. Second, even if someone does believe in God for this reason, it says nothing whether or not the proposition, God exists, is true. And finally, third, the theist could turn the table and say atheists reject God simply because they're scared of a divine rule maker and don't want to submit. Obviously, this is not evidence that can be used in support of theism. So, is atheism justified because belief in God is wishful thinking? Absolutely not. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be with you this morning. This is the uh, What's Concerning Us section of the program today. Don't forget, coming up in just a little bit, we'll be speaking with Mark Halk, president and founder of the Kingsman Apostolate. We're going to look back on 2020, a year of uh, opportunity to grow in grace and fortitude. And I think uh, Mark is one of the better ones to discuss that. He's such an incredible, inspiring guy. So we'll have that conversation coming up. But uh, in the What's Concerning Us section, Emily, Adrian, there are several stories that popped out to me this morning, one of which was that the uh, authorities were warned. This is an article that I found on The Blaze, and it says, Authorities were warned a year ago that Nashville suspect was building bombs in the RV. And this is very concerning, actually. It, it appears that, according to the report, that uh, the, bo- the person, Anthony is his name, I think, his girlfriend reported to the police that he was building bombs in, in the RV in the backyard. So a couple of officers re- went in to uh, investigate. And the RV was behind a closed fence in the backyard. They, they discovered there were lots of security cameras, but they had, they had no evidence or suspicion uh, other than what the report of from the girlfriend that there was a crime being committed. So they had no ability to enter the property to uh, look carefully or more, more carefully at any rate. They did discover, again, the security cameras and whatnot. Um, according to the Tennessean report, it says officers saw his RV behind the house, but the vehicle was fenced off and police were unable to see inside of it. The report said, while there police noted that the, there were several security cameras and wires attached to an alarm sign on the front door, the officers notified supervisors and detectives about the incident. It says they saw no evidence of a crime had been uh, and had no authority to enter his house or fenced property. That is uh, very concerning to me. There's a report. A girlfriend says bombs are being made. And I mean, I guess it didn't go anywhere. They did. They did refer it to the FBI, but apparently it didn't go beyond that. I don't, does that bug you? It bugs me. I mean, not that I want to uh, create a situation where everybody's looking over everybody's shoulder in their neighbor's backyards and and whatnot. But in this case, with the report, like bombs are being built, you would think somebody would have tried to um, speak to the person and put a little more effort into getting to the bottom of that. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I I was actually thinking about this because uh, me and uh, friends of mine, we like to joke that we all have our own assigned FBI agent to us. So we got (laughs) to be careful what we say and what we think. Uh, because there's always an FBI agent reading our text messages uh, in our group chats, and uh, it, but it's, it's it seems as though they're they're really not on top of it. They're not 
uh, seeing what's going on. Even when people report things to them, it's often that they get overlooked. I mean, where he, where there's a lot of human error and, and a lot of things that are going on. Right. And, and I think they're lucky that no one was actually killed in this bombing because that could have turned out very badly. Yeah, you think? Uh, I'm, well, of course, he was killed in the bombing, uh, supposedly a suicide. Again, who goes through this much effort? It seems very suspicious to me. Not that I mean, we need tinfoil hats for this segment. I need to like have my tinfoil hat on here. Uh, that's actually what you got for Christmas. You'll find it when you get here on Monday. <laughs> I need a little tinfoil hat on my head. Uh, you know, I don't know anything about anything here. However, uh, who goes through the effort of building such an elaborate setup? Bomb in an RV, loudspeakers, a countdown, the whole works. You know, making sure that people were evacuated. Who goes through that much effort and then does not leave a suicide note or whatever? Does that make any sense? It it seems to seem very strange to me. Like, who would do that? Why would you do that? And then not tell the world exactly why you... He told his neighbor. I mean, the neighbor has now reported that uh, she... she, uh, He told her specifically that the world would not forget him a month ago or so. So who who does not leave a suicide note under those circumstances? Seems strange. I'm thinking we don't know all the details, and I'm sure the investigators don't know all the details either. Hopefully we'll get those details. But but either way, it bugs me. It reminds me a little bit of the 2001 9-11 situation when they discovered they knew of these these particular gentlemen who flew these airplanes into the World Trade Center and, and into the Pentagon that they were training in Florida at a flight school and they were not at all interested in learning how to land <laughs> like yeah they they didn't they didn't want to bother with having to learn to land the airplanes they only wanted to know how to fly them and it's like they knew that they had that information but they didn't act on it and as a result we endured the tragedy of 9/11 i'm as you said emily i'm glad nobody there wasn't more tragedy in this circumstance other than uh, physical yeah, tragedy. I mean, it really right. could have ended up being our generation's 9-11, uh, yeah. but thank God it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. What's on your radar? Uh, so my radar, um, I'm disappointed with Argentina. They've just legalized abortion for the first time. Oh, now they're wow. the largest Latin American country to have legalized abortion. And of course, this is Pope Francis's homeland. So I'm curious to see if he's going to say anything about that or address it. Hey, did you realize... Have you, has this, he's never been back to Argentina. That is suspicious. Yeah. That's interesting. Why, why not? Why, why has he never gone back to his home country? I mean, uh, JP2 went back to Poland. He, Proudly. he was begging Proudly. to go back to Poland. Yes. Of course, he was fighting the communists there, and he was mm-hmm. anxious to go back to the to 16th, his... trying to go back home all, every chance he got. <laughs> he's still trying to go he's back home. <laughs> he's still trying to go back home. Uh, yeah, oh, he poor. sneaks out. I'm, yeah, he's probably like, maybe they won't notice if I just sneak <laughs> off. To, get back to Germany. Get to Germany. Take the cat, and we're going home. But, uh, no, but uh, yeah, Pope Francis has never been back to Argentina since, uh, since ascending to the chair of St. Peter. That's yeah, very strange Yeah, what's up with that? Could there be skeletons in the closet? We don't know. And there, Well, either way, my point is, imagine if he brought his papal presence into the country, if that would have had an effect on whether or not they mm. would have legalized something like abortion. That's a good point. Or spoke out against it, at least. Like, I, he, yeah. Where is, like, it, it, I was joking with some friends, it's like, well, imagine if we had some Argentinian pope that would be willing to come out and talk about this kind of issue. Yeah. Uh, right. But for some reason, it was, there's just deafening silence in regards to one of the gravest issues of our time in his home country. And mm-hmm. it just, yeah. it saddens me. It, it is very sad. So, uh, yeah, sad story there. Pray 
you know, it's unfortunate we saw Ireland go down this road. I, I want to say Poland is probably not far behind. I know, Adrian, you might yeah. have a different opinion. Than I that, disagree completely. You do. Well, but, uh, time will tell. Time will tell. But I think it's the youth. Pay attention. If it's the youth that are begging for the right to abort their children, that mm-hmm. is a dangerous thing for the future of that country. Um, if it's if it's the youth that are fighting for sanctity and and uh, virtue and for the church and the sacraments, then it's a beautiful thing for the future of that country. And in Poland, I want to say the pro-abortion movement is is of the youth. Is it not? No, I don't think it is. I don't think that it's the uh, majority youth. I mean, what you see on social media is the majority is being the youth, um, that the majority of the youth are uh, against the pro-life. Mm. But it's not true. I, when actually talking to Polish people, I, it doesn't, I don't get the sense that the majority of the Polish youth and the majority of the Polish people are for abortion. I and don't. you went to Poland recently, right? Right, yeah. I was in Poland last year. So I, I don't know. I, I, have very, I have a high hopes for the Polish people. I see tradition coming back. The religious communities are uh, exploding in Poland. The Dominicans are exploding in Poland. And yeah. uh, when you have Dominicans exploding, then you know everything's going well, right? <laughs> but of course, there are some youth that are being radicalized who want to be westernized yeah. and keep up with, you know, France. That's and- right. Keep up with the Joneses. That's right. Uh, that's definitely what happened in Ireland. And it's very tragic to see Ireland fall the way it did. And I hope you're right about Poland. I really do. I still keep that iconic image of that young man standing in front of the march of the oh, LGBTQ. Yes, yes. With and the, he was with a little crucifix boy. in was, his hand. That was yeah. legendary. <laughs> legendary, And I just yeah. think of uh, of the uh, the Polish people chanting, we want God. Yeah. Uh, that's, the, what I, that's the image I have in my head. So I don't know. I have high hopes for the Polish people. I think uh, we have a lot of... Uh, positivity to look forward to with, in Poland. If we can get I that young man right. on the show, I will learn Polish so we can interview him. <laughs> Just so you can translate for him. Yeah, <laughs> Seek him out. So maybe he speaks English. Who knows? Let's, let's ask him, find out. It would be a great interview, wouldn't it? Uh, another story in the news that's uh, very concerning to me is a Delaware computer shop owner behind the Biden corruption leaks sues Twitter for defamation. Now, this is an interesting story to me because of the censorship issue on social media today and how naive most of uh, the public is to how really bad the situation is, especially for the voice of the Catholic evangelist. Being able to reach the masses to share the good, the true, and the beautiful for the salvation of souls, which is the mission of the church, is becoming more and more difficult to accomplish. And this is a symptom of a greater problem we should pay attention to. So the story was, if you don't recall, uh, because it was so squashed before the elections, is this computer shop owner had this laptop that allegedly belonged to Hunter Biden. And he tried multiple times to give it back to the owner, Hunter himself, but he never came to get it. He would never pick it up. And in the state of New York, a certain amount of time passes, and now that shop owner becomes the property owner as a way to sort of recover their financial losses. They can now own that property, sell it, and recoup some of their losses. Well, uh, he he basically, at that point, once he became the owner, he, he was able to access the data on the on the laptop and discovered what he had and he turned it over to the FBI which the FBI had for a very long time and didn't say a single word to anyone why is that I wonder and then he also gave it to Rudy Giuliani and then Rudy uh, provided some of the information and the New York Post I think it was to put it out there and Twitter blocked it completely and they claimed they didn't know if the information was hacked or not which was not a correct uh, situation 
as a result of the whole scenario, whether you like it or not, or, or politically, it doesn't really matter. Here's the bottom line. The shop owner had to close up his shop because his life and his family's life was being threatened. Like, that's terrible right he was he was within his rights he didn't do anything wrong um you, you might say well you didn't like the fact that he, he leveraged the information against uh, joe biden's family you might argue that that's fine fair enough but he still doesn't deserve to die or be threatened to death as a result so when twitter uh, basically perpetuated this myth that this man did something wrong uh, and his he suffered uh, financially as a result he is now suing twitter and i hope that he wins not because I want him to be wealthy or whatever, but because we need to do something about the uh, the situation with social media, having free reign to do and say whatever they wish and nothing ever happens. I mean, we can watch all these hearings on Capitol Hill. You can watch Ted Cruz uh, chew out uh, you know, Twitter CEOs and Facebook CEOs. To what end? To what would be the point? There's nothing that ever changes as a result to any of it. And I'm hoping that maybe a $500 million lawsuit might put a dent in the situation. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I got to say, uh, our best chance for uh, putting a dent into uh, the social media monopoly on information would have been under a Trump administration. I don't see that happening under a Biden administration. And so uh, I'm praying. Not to, I'm not praying just so that we can say whatever we want on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. That's not my point. I'm saying it because as Catholic evangelists, we should be able to say to the world, like that boy did in Poland with his crucifix in front of that LGBTQ march, to say, this is harmful. That lifestyle is harmful to you. It is not good for your soul. It is not good for your life. And Christ is the light of the world, and he deeply desires your conversions that you may live forever like that's the message and if we can't say that then we're in big trouble and we and the whole world should be paying attention to that uh, to that message so check that out that's an article i read on breitbart delaware computer shop owner behind biden corruption leaks sues twitter for defamation we will post links to, on facebook.com forward slash grn online more breaking news coming up next with emily and uh mark Houck from the kingsman it's going to be on we're going to look back at the year don't go anywhere more catholic drive time is coming up next This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it's hard to get along with your family? That sometimes the people in your family are downright uncongenial? Well, G.K. Chesterton says that is precisely why the family is so important. Because it is often uncongenial. Every family is filled with the same problematical people that you find everywhere else. And so, anyone revolting against the family is simply revolting against mankind. As Chesterton says, Aunt Elizabeth is unreasonable, like mankind. Papa is excitable, like mankind. Our youngest brother is mischievous, like mankind. And so, if we can get along with our family, we can get along with anyone. Want more than a minute? Visit our website. Chesterton.org. Over the years, people were treated as less than human because they were a different race, a different faith, or vulnerable. But over time, we must learn that we are all God's children, created in His image, that all human creation has an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, a right to love and be loved. So let's cherish the sanctity of life because we know how it feels when others treat us as less than human. 
informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you today. Don't forget, coming up in the next hour, if you're able to join us, we'd love to have you. Uh, Bishop Strickland will be our guest next hour. We're going to be talking about the vaccines from a uh, moral position. Uh, he's been very outspoken on that, so we'll get his take on that issue. And there's a great uh, LifeSite news article linked up that'll kind of give you the primer to that. You'll We'll post a link to that on Facebook.com forward slash GRN online as well. But don't forget, if you're looking for the podcast version of our show, a great place to do that is to look at GRNonline.com forward slash CDT, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Plus, we post the individual episodes or individual hours of every show on uh, our YouTube channel, as well as individual guest segments, too. So look for youtube.com forward slash grnonline. And while you're there, make sure you like, subscribe, share, and hit the bell notification icon. But we, now we have more breaking news and stories with Emily Alcarez. The new strain of coronavirus has made it to America. Governor Jared Polis announced on Tuesday that the first reported U.S. case of the COVID-19 variant that's been seen in the United Kingdom has been discovered in Colorado. The variant was found in a man in his 20s who is in isolation southeast of Denver and has no travel history, state health officials said. The Colorado State Laboratory confirmed the virus variant and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention were notified. Scientists in the UK believe the variant is more contagious than previously identified strains. It remains unclear whether the vaccines being given now are effective against the variant. Since the discovery of the new strain, dozens of countries have banned flights from the UK, and southern England was placed under strict lockdown measures. The variant has also been found in Canada, Italy, India, and the United Arab Emirates. Democrats are pushing an extreme abortion law, even after it was vetoed by a pro-choice governor. The new legislation would lower the age for girls to get abortions without parental consent from 18 to 16, and would also allow late-term abortions after 24 weeks. The bill was even too extreme for the pro-abortion governor of Massachusetts, Charlie Baker, who vetoed the bill. The Massachusetts State House voted to override Baker's veto on Monday, sending the bill to the Massachusetts Senate, which also voted to override Baker's veto on Tuesday. The Massachusetts GOP chairman, Jim Lyons, said, Governor Baker's decision, made the day before millions celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, should send a message to the lawmakers that this legislation has no place in a humane society. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has introduced a bill that combines a $2,000 stimulus with more of the president's interests. The bill would repeal a law that shields big tech companies and would introduce a review of voter fraud allegations. News of the new bill came after McConnell earlier blocked a request for unanimous consent for the Cash Act from Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, which was missing the president's demands for a limit to legal protections on tech companies and for Congress to ensure the integrity of the 2020 election. McConnell indicated on Tuesday that the Senate would begin a process to focus on the issues highlighted in his new bill this week. Argentina has become the largest Latin American country to legalize abortion. Argentina's Senate passed the law legalizing abortion in Pope Francis' homeland early Wednesday after a marathon 12-hour session. The vote means that abortion will be legalized up to the 14th week of pregnancy and also will be legal after that time in cases of rape or danger to the mother's life. The measure was passed with 38 votes in favor, 29 against, and one abstention, after a session that began late Tuesday. This is a devastating loss for the Catholic nation of Argentina. 
Just hours before the Senate session began on Tuesday, the Pope weighed in on Twitter, saying, The Son of God was born in outcast, in order to tell us that every outcast is a child of God. He came into the world as each child comes into the world, weak and vulnerable, so that we can learn to accept our weaknesses with tender love. These are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Uh, thank you, Emily. I was just, I just saw an article that says vaccinated U.S. nurse contradicts U.S., uh, or, or forgive me, it says vaccinated U.S. nurse contracts COVID-19 after taking the vaccine. I guess it was like a couple of weeks in between. So that's fun. That's a fun story. That's over on uh, UK uh, Reuters. At any rate, joining us by, uh, by Zoom chat right now is my, my friend, uh, president and founder of the Kingsmen, uh, Mark Howe. Good morning to you, Mark. Jean uh, Dobre, Joe. Oh, that's Polish. Jean Dobre. Polish. Good morning. Good morning. So uh, I take that to mean you, you feel very confident Poland's holding on uh, for the good fight. You know, I was in Poland about uh, eight, nine years ago, and I gave a bunch of talks, and they legalized when I was over there um, the morning after pill. And oh. I warned the, the, the people. I said, you know, this is, this is how it began in the United States in the 1960s with contraception. I said, so beware, legalized abortion is coming to Poland. So I don't know. I sounded the trumpet when I was there. They, I, you know, they were only 25 years removed from the Iron Curtain. Frankly, I don't know, uh, but every every p- town I went to in Poland, there's a grotto to Our Lady as you enter the town. So yeah, uh, that country is a special country. Yeah, sure. it is special. We hope it holds on. Uh, I'm just a little concerned about the 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 push and the effort, similar uh, to what we saw in Ireland, and now obviously we're seeing it in Argentina and elsewhere. Um, let's let's. I want to reflect a little bit on 2020, uh, Mark, with you. Um, I remember the very last show that I did, radio show that I did in 2019, and the last, I mean, the last two minutes of that program, without even thinking about it ahead of time, I just stopped and I said, you know, I, 2020 is going to be a really rough ride. We should all prepare ourselves and hold on for the for the rough ride. And I, I said that not truly understanding or knowing what was coming. I just, for some reason, I felt like that was a premonition and. And we prepared as a family. We we consecrated ourselves to Saint Joseph. We built a chapel in our home, and we were we had everything sort of ready to go. And then Ash Wednesday hit, and then everything kind of went up topsy turvy from there, as you as you recall. How did you th- look back at the end of 2019? How, did you have any similar premonitions, and how did you prepare for what was ahead? That's a great question. In fact, we just had some praise and worship as a family last night, and we were talking about 2020. So it's a good. It was a good uh, prep for this program. And I gave a talk in the beginning of January, probably the first week in January, and it was more planning for the year. And, and 2020, you know, a lot of us were spinning the the term a, a year of perfect vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard a lot of priests say that, and um, so I think in a lot of ways, when I reflect on the the year of 2020 I think there there has been great clarity come to a lot of things uh our what we hold dear what what is uh, priorities in our life so I know at the beginning of the year I had no premonition of uh the, what was actually going to happen the the calamities the collapse of a lot of things but I did believe that there was going to be some clarity and I think for a lot of us um the graces that we allowed to be poured out into our lives in the midst of the extraordinary year that it has been, the circumstances we found ourselves, 
I think we've all come to see a greater vision, not only with uh, the government and how dirty things are there, but but in our church and in, uh, in in as regards to our pedestrian attitude about the Holy Eucharist mm. and and how much we've taken for granted there, how much we've taken one another for granted. Yes. So that was my kind of thinking going into the year was that there would be a greater vision. I just wasn't sure, Joe, like you, that it was going to be as uh, difficult as it was you know when when the lockdown started i i remember going back to december and starting to see all those videos come out of china of people being dragged out of cars locked in their apartment buildings and the mass hysteria that was happening in parts of china and your thought my thought was wow i feel sorry for these poor people you know naively i thought that probably wouldn't happen here and um and then of course you get to february march and lockdowns are starting 15 days to slow the spread. And I thought that was bad enough, to be honest. I remember making some comments on social media and getting some backlash from people because I dared to question lockdowns. And, uh, and then, of course, we saw the riots, racist, racist uh, you know, issues that started to come to the fore and the news headlines and riots and burning things down. And it became very intense, uh, especially I'll never forget watching the attack on the White House. Um, seeing and listening to uh, Secret Service agents talk about the the precision, the military uh, precision with which Antifa and uh, the rioters reacted and moved in coordinated effort to try to pierce the uh, the boundaries of the White House. To what end? To to capture the president? To to do worse? I mean, who knows? And his family? Who knows? And then, of course. Uh, you know, everything that happened politically leading up to the election, et cetera, et cetera, here we are. Um, and do you have hope, I guess, is what I want to say. Looking back on it all, do you have hope for 2021? What, how do you, what is your, what is your sense, your person, your peace, your, your spirituality looking like going into 2021? Well, that's a great question. And um, it's something we all need to reflect on. And, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas says, if, if your peace is disturbed, uh, you're not in the will of God, right? You're pretty. You pretty much can assure uh, yourself that you, you're, you've derailed a little bit from from His holy will. So I do have peace. Um, I do have hope. Uh, that that is because that's that's uh, the faith that 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 is our Catholic faith, right? That is that is what the Lord has given me, and that's what I claim. And so my my hope and my peace do not rest in man, uh, do not rest in government, do not rest in um, you know, any, any movement, uh, but it does rest in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and, and what he's done for me. And frankly, Joe, uh, this year, although difficult, uh, I lost my mother this year, uh, mm. just, just a lot of, lot of difficulties in my personal life. So many graces have been poured out, and I don't mean just like more family time. That's beautiful. I understand that that, that is true. And I don't mean that... Um, you know, we, we gave up TV. My family gave up TV 10 years ago. So <laughs> nothing really changed for me there. Um, we homeschool. You know, nothing really changed for, for my family in that regard. Um, but I'll tell you, this year did pour out some provision from the Lord. And I'm not just talking monetary. But just, just the Lord being faithful. The mm. Lord has demonstrated to me this year, and I know many people, uh, how faithful he has been. Uh, to those who will put their trust in him. So I, I expect more of the same from the Lord. You know, our Lord is a God of abundance. He's not a mm -hmm. God of uh, scarcity. 
And so we worship that Lord. And that's not because we, we want you know, uh, our life to be easy. We, we worship our Lord because we know that we take up our cross and we follow him. And so the sufferings are going to come. And so when these things happen, it, it should not come as a surprise. G.K. Chesterton said, you know, if the Lord comes, it just uh, or actually uh, Lewis as well, C.S. Lewis said the same thing. When the Lord comes, be, be concerned about, you know, your family, be doing what you would normally be doing, having a pint with a friend, um, you know, having, uh, you know, game time. You know, the Lord comes, just be doing the human interaction of daily right. life. Hold that thought. Hold that thought, Mark. We're going to go to break. We're going to come right back. We're talking with Mark Howe, president and founder of the King's Men. Looking back on the year and looking forward to the next year. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hearn. Sometimes it can seem that our family life is humdrum, monotonous, and insignificant. But Christ began his public ministry at the wedding at Cana. When we read this account in the gospel, we're reminded that our marriage, our ordinary family life, is important to God. Our Lord and Our Lady love our families, and they are present with us. They desire to change what is ordinary into the extraordinary. The Lord can take our simple and everyday tasks and make them holy. Like the servants at the wedding at Cana, we need to notice when we run out of wine, when we run out of joy, when we run out of love. It is then that we turn to Our Lady and ask for her help. She can bring Christ into our lives, our ordinary water, and transform it into wine. And when we invite Christ into our lives to transform us, He creates the best wine of all. For more advice, ideas, and encouragement, visit us at MessyFamilyProject.org. Ever feel like life is just too busy, too much? Constant noise, social and traffic, work, paint, bills, it just doesn't seem to let up. Well, maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace and less chaos, then find your hope today. Begin at CatholicsComeHome.com. Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. We're talking with Mark Howe, president and founder of The Kingsmen, kingsmen.org, of thekingsmen.org. And uh, we're talking about uh, looking back on the year, trying to look forward to, uh, in spite of all that goes on around us. Uh, I know, Emily, uh, you wanted to jump in there right before we went to break. Uh, you wanted to ask Mark a question. Right, that's right. So, Mark, I love that you said you uh, got a chance to pray with your family last night. And, Joe, my family also did the consecration to St. Joseph um, back in March. And I just wanted to ask, Mark, what do you think uh, families should be doing now to prepare for 2021? What has 2020 taught uh, the parents of families? What should we pass on to our children to prepare them for what's coming? Well, sure. Uh, you know, the same message as always. And I, I don't want to be overly pious, but, you know, we should be doing this always as heads of our household, as fathers, as bishops of our homes, as mothers, as hearts of our homes. We always need to be preparing our children for, um, you know, what's what's going to come next. Again, the cross, the theology of the cross. So I, I think, you know, for us as, 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 as family, the, the family rosary is is the anchor. And I know, Joe, we've, we've prayed with your family uh, online, and the family rosary is the anchor. And, I, and you mentioned the consecration to Our Lady. Uh, you know, that's, that's, I think, where it should begin. And I think every family should, should 
make a commitment. Every father should make a commitment to encouraging the children, teaching the children, and the graces that fo- flow from that alone are, are, are immeasurable, but just teaching the children the rosary and then allowing things to flow from there. And Mary will lead her children, lead the family, lead the fathers where they need to be. I, I think, obviously, uh, going to Mass uh, right more regularly uh, versus just a, a Sunday obligation would be wonderful for families to, to, to try to do. Uh, definitely the rosary, though, I think is the, is the rudder. Um, when it comes to directing my family and for 2021, um, again, just more of the same. More of just what we've been hopefully doing all along, right? That if the Lord comes, he finds us busy about his work. And, um, and, and we just continue to do those things. We, we don't have to be live in fear. God didn't give us a spirit of fear or timidity. Uh, so we have nothing to fear in that regard. We just continue on uh, and, we, and we do what the Lord has asked us to do. And so I think mom and dad really need to model that, you know, that, mm. so that the kids can move forward. If mom and dad are freaked out and all those things, then the kids are going to be freaked out. But if mom and dad are steady and calm and peaceful and hope-filled, it's going to flow through the family, I believe. You know, one of the highlights for me in 2020 was the was being able to go and volunteer to serve with you, Mark, on uh, on retreat uh, up in Montana. It was a huge mission trip for my family and I. It was such a blessing to be able to uh, to take the to incorporate my wife and my children. You know, I've known you since 2007. I've had the opportunity on a handful of occasions to uh, to volunteer and to serve with you on these uh, important um, retreat experiences. But this was the first time I got to bring like the whole family. I brought some of my sons in the past or whatever, but but this the whole family. So we ended up collecting. Uh, in fact, I hooked up with a priest in Montana, and so he, he works on the Indian, Indian reservations, Father uh, Joe Paddock. And he said, you know, we need coats, we need blankets for the winter. So we collected all these supplies. We packed up the the uh, the van, rented an RV, and drove. It was like four or five thousand miles round trip or whatever to get up there. And uh, you know, it was it was snowstorms, it was fires, it was crazy the whole way up and back. Mountain mountain passes. It was just so phenomenal. And then we had this wonderful retreat experience on this lake in Montana with these men from from all over the country. And it was such an incredible piece. It was, and for for a period of time, it's like you forgot that beyond this retreat experience, the world was in chaos. Um, what was that like from your perspective? It was such a blessing for us. Indeed, it was for us as well. Uh, you know what a wonderful uh, thing you did uh, for your children with Father Joe. And so, you know, we 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 trekked uh, a little bit further than you from Pennsylvania out to Montana, and. Uh, it was epic, you know. I hate to say that cliche, but it really was. I mean, and and the, the everything that was on the trip was um, was was almost like a divine appointment. Uh, yeah. We had a lot of uh, just you know God incidences. There's no coincidence, right? With God, you know, it's His way of rem- remaining anonymous. But so many things happened where you, you know if you just stopped and paused and said, "Wow," you know. The divine chauffeur, if you will, he was moving us where we needed to go, meeting the people he wanted us to meet, um, giving us the experience. You know, I know I remember you and I texting each other pictures of just the sun (laughs) rising and setting coming through North Dakota. I was I think you were coming up through Wyoming or wherever you were. 
And it was just, it's just gorgeous. And, and you, if you can't find God, as, as Father yeah. Groeschel used to say, you can't find God looking up at the sky. And we saw the Milky Way, didn't we? Yes. You can't, you can't <laughs> see the Milky Way in Pennsylvania, you know? So, right. you know, those, those memories and showing my children yeah. those things and stopping in Marytown in Chicago on the way home and a, mm. a wedding on the way home and the sacramental life of the church and how much we enjoyed uh, that time with you together to pray with your boys and my boy with your boys and being mentored by your boys. I mean, those are all God memories and things that my kids take from that experience. And so it was just a joy to share it with you. And then, gosh, we'll hold on to it for forever. <laughs> I'll never forget. Uh, we were we were on our way home. We had just gone through uh, Yellowstone National Park, and uh, what a beautiful experience that was. I, I we were we were south of the park. We were past the Grand Tetons. We were in the middle of nowhere, hundred miles from where I needed to be, and I, I was so inspired by this valley and mountain uh, view, this vista that I pulled over. I had to pull over, just take it in for a moment. And then when I went to like when I was so just awe inspired, ready to continue our journey, and I threw the the shifter lever into gear, and then I realized my shifter lever is broken. And uh, <laughs> we couldn't get the van started. And my wife immediately thought, we're in grizzly bear country. Oh, no. <laughs> we're going to have to sleep here in the grizzly bear country. It was such a – it was one of those moments that uh, you just kind of let go and let God. And by God's fortuitous uh, and wonderful grace, uh, there was a, a stranger there watching for moose. And he happened to be an old mechanic. And he crawled under my van and – and duck, he, no, we, we zip tied the, the shifter back in place. It got us the hundred miles we needed to go to, uh, to get where we had to be. There's so many incidents like that on these trips. And, uh, I, I want to say, looking back on the years that I've been a part of the Into the Wild retreat experiences, um, there's been more than one occasion where you see God touch you in these special ways in your retreat experiences. Uh, with f uh, four minutes on the clock, maybe you can just talk to us about what's on the plate for 2021 in the Kingsman Apostolate. How many more retreat experiences do you think you'll have uh, in 2021, given the circumstances that we're all facing? Yeah, sure. Just by way of disclaimer, uh, do not exit uh, Yellowstone National Park by way of Wyoming. You will go up to the top of the world with 11,000 feet. Yeah, you will feel like with seven children that you're about to die. So uh, don't exit that way. Uh, yeah, but that was too. epic nonetheless. So we, we're planning possibly to go back to Montana. Not sure about that. We'll see how things go. Definitely Flagstaff, Arizona. We're debating May, June, possibly September. Mm -hmm. uh, but p more likely in May or June. So we'll go back to Flagstaff, Arizona, if they'll have us. St. Joe's Youth Camp there. That'll be the, the first into the wild, likely. And then, Joe, you and I have talked about this, maybe doing it a, uh, an into the wild plus or a uh, yeah. something more 2.0. Uh, yeah. 2.0, right? <laughs> that means into the wild's broken. We, we don't want to say 2.0. <laughs> uh, it's definitely not broken. Yeah. We're going to Mississippi, possibly a private ranch there, more survival training, nice. something a little deeper, deeper in the faith, deeper for yeah. men. Um, I look forward to developing that possibly with you, and we're looking maybe September for that. We have two uh, healing retreats for men, which you've been on, mm -hmm. Samson Healing Retreat. They're scheduled March 25th to the 28th in New Jersey. New Jersey, as I always like to say, offers a lot uh, to uh, the, 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 uh, the Holy Fam uh, the Family, the, the Church, uh, yeah. because of this retreat alone. No, just kidding. Uh, and then we have another one November 4th through the 7th 
in Hamilton, New Jersey as well. So those are the retreats planned for this year at the present moment. And the retreat experience, the Samson retreat experience is fantastic for guys that are holding on to uh, parent wounds or, uh, you know, uh, other things like abortion for my, in me, in my case. Uh, there's so many wounds that we suffer growing up or in life. And these are, the Samson retreat is a wonderful experience to find healing and, and forgiveness and peace in those situations. So I encourage you to check that out. Now, Mark, uh, just about a minute left before we have to say goodbye. Uh, where can people find information about all of this? Sure. Uh, so they can go, as you mentioned earlier, thekingsmen.org is our main site. We have our retreat sites, intothewildweekend.com, and Samson, like the judge in the Old Testament, samsonretreat.com uh, to find those retreats. They're linked to the main site in okay. case they forget that, but thekingsmen.org is your is your main go-to. We will link to it at facebook.com forward slash Online. Mark Houck, president of The King's Men. God bless you. God love you. And uh, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you both. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We'll see you in the new year. All right, dear listener, that's going to wrap up Hour 1. If you can hang out with us for the next hour, Bishop Strickland will be our guest. We're going to talk about the vaccines uh, from a moral perspective, from a bishop's perspective. All that coming up, plus the trivia game show and prizes are involved. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time's got more coming next. joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend of mine said that his church takes the Bible literally, but that the Catholic Church doesn't. Is that true? Catholics actually interpret the Bible in a literal sense, while many fundamentalists, evangelicals, and others interpret the Bible in a literalist sense. The literal meaning of a passage of Scripture is the meaning the author of that passage of Scripture intended to convey. The literalist interpretation of a passage of Scripture is, that's what it says, that's what it means. Here's an example to illustrate the difference. If you were to read a passage in a book that said it was raining cats and dogs outside, how would you interpret that? As Americans in the 21st century, we know that the author was intending to convey the idea that it was raining pretty doggone hard outside. That would be the literal or Catholic interpretation. The literalist interpretation would be that were you to walk outside, you would actually see cats and dogs falling from the sky like rain. No taking into account the popularly accepted meaning of this phrase. No taking into account what the author was intending to convey. The words say it was raining cats and dogs, so by golly, it was raining cats and dogs. That is the literalist or fundamentalist way of interpretation. Now, if someone 2,000 years in the future picked up that same book and read it was raining cats and dogs outside, in order to properly understand that passage in the book, they would need a literal interpretation, not a literalist interpretation. Now, think about that in the context of interpreting the Bible 2,000 to 3,000 years after it was written. We need a literal or Catholic interpretation versus literalist or fundamentalist interpretation. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
The Daily Mass is moving to the afternoon. Holy Mass has been a beloved component of our programming lineup for 20 years in the early morning time slot on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are excited to announce that the 3 p.m. hour will become a holy hour, starting with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by sacred music or spiritual reflections, and concluding with the Holy Mass at 3.30. The Holy Mass on the Guadalupe Radio Network, every weekday at 3.30 p.m. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host. Joe McLean, and it's great to be on with you this morning. Praise be to Jesus. Emily Alcaraz is here. Good morning, Emily. Morning, Joe. Praise God. Are you uh, ready to go today? We're going to have a great hour. We just finished a good one, but I think this hour is going to be almost better in some ways. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to Bishop Strickland. Yeah, so not every day you get to talk to a bishop, and we'll have Bishop Strickland on in this hour, talking about the vaccine issue from a moral perspective, uh, from the uh, bishop's perspective. Uh, Plus, we have our game show coming up. That's always fun. And, of course, our, uh, our sponsor this week, Emily. Who's our sponsor? Our sponsor is called Our Lady's Armory, and they make uh, handcrafted rosaries for the battle-ready Catholic. For the battle-ready Catholic. I yes. love the way that, that sounds. And they're giving away. Do they, uh, do they have any connection to uh, Doug Barry and Battle Ready? I wonder if they, uh, they pay him a royalty for that uh, <laughs> wonderful. I wonder, but uh, they're giving away a nice paracord rosary. Yes, and it's always important for a guy, especially, to have a paracord rosary or a like a really strong chain, because I can't tell mm-hmm. you how many rosaries I have broken in my life. It's just, it's very frustrating. But now I have a fantastic rosary with a paracord and a nine millimeter bullets as our father beads. Whoa. Yeah, it's true, because, you know, it's a spiritual weapon. It's reminding us of the spiritual combat, so it's a fantastic. But thank you to OLArmory.com for being our sponsor this week. That game show is coming up in the next segment, uh, so stick around for that. I'll give you the phone number just as a teaser, 877-757-9424. Uh, 877-757-9424. Write that down, and you, if you're the first caller, you get to be the contestant, possibly win that rosary. Of course, Adrian Fonseca is producing for us this morning. Good morning to you, Adrian. Top of the morning to you. I'm happy. I'm happy to talk to Bishop Strickland today. I'm excited. Yeah. Praise God. That's coming up the show. Plus, we'll have breaking stories and news here in just one moment. And then, of course, we'll do Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and so much more. Let's begin with prayer. Let's bring our intentions together. Let's uh, bring them to Our Lady, the Queen of Heaven and Earth, that she may whisper them into the ear of her son that he may draw us so much more ever closely into his most sacred heart. I'm praying for the Guadalupe Radio Network, for our team this morning, our show. I'm praying for the repose of the soul of Armando, our teammate, who is going to be laid to rest today for his family and for peace in their hearts. And for whatever you, my dear listener, need today, we're praying for you as well. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. 
The man who committed an anti-Catholic hate crime is being prosecuted for murder. On December 28th, authorities announced that Jesse Martinez, a COVID-19 patient who beat a fellow patient to death because he was praying, will be arraigned on December 31st for murder, elder abuse, and religion-motivated hate crime. The victim, David Hernandez Garcia, an 82-year-old Catholic Latino man, was a resident of Lancaster, California. He was being treated for a COVID-19 infection in a two-person room. City officials said there is little the hospital could have done to prevent the violence, given that the hospital and urgent care center was drastically understaffed and their medical staff was suffering from exhaustion. Martinez could face up to 28 years to life in pr state prison if convicted as charged. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is, has introduced a bill that combines a $2,000 stimulus with more of the president's interests. The bill would repeal a law that shields big tech companies and would introduce a review of voter fraud allegations. News of the new bill came after McConnell earlier blocked a request for unanimous consent for the CASH Act from Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, which was missing the president's demands for a limit to legal protections on tech companies and for Congress to ensure the integrity of the 2020 election. McConnell indicated on Tuesday that the Senate would begin a process to focus on the issues highlighted in his new bill this week. Catholics are being asked to pray for the safe return of a kidnapped Nigerian bishop. Bishop Chikwe, who is the auxiliary bishop of the Archdiocese of Oweri in Nigeria, was kidnapped on the night of Sunday, December 27th. Bishop Chikwe's abduction is the latest in a series of kidnappings that have targeted clergy in Nigeria, although he is the first bishop to be captured. The U.S. State Department listed Nigeria among the worst countries for religious freedom, alongside China, North Korea, and Saudi Arabia. Currently, Bishop Chikwe's whereabouts remain unknown. President Donald Trump praised a Catholic martyr for religious freedom on Tuesday. Yesterday, the White House issued a proclamation praising St. Thomas Becket, an English archbishop who was martyred 850 years ago after a conflict with King Henry II over the rights of the Catholic Church. The proclamation, released on December 29th, stated, quote, Before the Magna Carta was drafted, before the right to free exercise of religion was enshrined as America's first freedom in our glorious Constitution, Thomas gave his life so that the Church will attain liberty and peace. President Trump went on to praise Cardinal Joseph Zen of Hong Kong, the cardinal who has been standing up for the underground Catholic Church in China. The president's statement concluded with these words, A society without religion cannot prosper. A nation without faith cannot endure. Because justice, goodness, and peace cannot prevail without the grace of God. These are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. St. Egwin of Worcester, pray for us. Born in the 7th century, um, now he was of English nobility, a descendant of the uh, Mercian kings. As a boy, he felt the call and he consecrated himself. He would eventually become a Benedictine monk, monk, but in 692, he would be called to become the Bishop of Worcester and he would remain so until 711. Uh, however, he he enacted a reform in his diocese, which he felt was very much needed. In fact, it was needed. However, some say that he was a little too strict and particularly harsh to his priests. 
and scandal broke out as a result. Well, in order to provide uh, the necessary penance uh, to beg forgiveness and to heal this wound caused partly by his actions, he decided he would take on a pilgrimage walk to Rome. Not uncommon in the time, but only he would do it slightly different. He would walk barefoot all the way to the Rome. And not even that, he would chain his feet together and walk barefoot to Rome. And to prove his resolve, he took the key to the chain and he threw it in a river and uh, then he walked to Rome all the way barefoot chained up he gets to Rome he gets hungry obviously along the way but when he's in Rome he goes to the market and he buys a fish he discovers in the belly of the fish the key that he had tossed into the river back in England and he unlocks himself his penance had been served he would go on to found a Benedictine monastery, and uh, it was on the site of an apparition of Our Lady appearing to a shepherd there. He would die on December the 30th, 717. St. Edwin of Worcester, pray for us. Praise be to Jesus Christ. And of course, the gospel today is a continuation from yesterday. It comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 40. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage, and then a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at the very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who are awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Word of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you uh, for the opportunity to, to meditate on your word, Lord. We're very grateful to you. But in this particular passage, again, I think it reminds us, similar to yesterday with Simeon, of how the Old Testament prophets really looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. And thanks to... Uh, Daniel chapter 9, for instance, the prophecies in the Old Testament that pointed towards the coming of the Messiah, there was a great expectation in that first century. We saw that in many places in the Gospels, but we, particularly here today with Anna, who as a, a woman, a prophetess, and she is in a great line of prophetesses in the Old Testament, Miriam in Exodus 15, Deborah in Judges 4, Huldah in Second Kings, we see these women who speak on behalf of Israel, and Anna joins that illustrious group. Uh, but in particular, we also note and take particular care to note the fact that her and Simeon were both filled with the Holy Ghost. That should be uh, a very important point for us to meditate upon. How important is it uh, that we see that this is a divine intervention, that this is the will of God, the coming of the Messiah? And this morning before the show started, uh, producer Adrian and I were discussing this, and, and I was recalling back in 2009 when I was producing a show called Behold the Man. And I had uh, studied uh, a lot of biblical scholarship in those days under uh, the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. I was really uh, very uh, inspired and had an opportunity to work with, with them on several occasions. And I remembered studying the, the Bible commentary on Daniel, Daniel chapter 9 from Raymond Brown, where he points out, and he makes this parallel between the 70 weeks of years in Daniel 9, uh, verse 24 and following, and uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 1 and 2. 
and essentially you get to the number 240. Well, if you start at the Annunciation with Zechariah in the temple with the angel Gabriel, and you end at the presentation of the infant Jesus in the temple, you get to 240 days. And there's a great parallel here, because in Daniel 9.27, it says essentially that they would become an end to the sacrifice in the temple. And eventually, that is exactly what happens under Jesus, when the Messiah shows up, the sacrifices in the temple of animals would cease. And that is, in fact, what does happen. And it's a powerful parallel. And it should remind us and give us pause to stop and ponder, like all of creation, like Simeon, Anna, and the rest, even John the Baptist, that one who is greater is coming. And are we prepared to receive him like Simeon and Anna? Uh, and Adrian, I'm going to give you an opportunity to chime in too. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, as usual, you steal my ideas. So now I have to do something else. Uh, so <laughs> we, I was talking about the, the prophetesses, uh, of the Old Testament, but you covered that a little bit. So I'm going to go into a different route with the same topic. The prophetesses, I think, is in- interesting to note because, um, if you think about the idea of the prophet throughout the Old Testament, there is a time in which the prophets stopped. There is no more prophets. Uh, but as Fulton Sheen likes to talk about in his series on explaining the, uh, the truth of the Catholic faith, it would be wrong for our Lord to come into this world without first being announced before even secular kings, uh, people go ahead of them and announce their coming. So more so uh, would be so for the Son of God. And so at the coming of our Lord, the prophets had already ceased, but at the coming of our Lord, then the whole world starts screaming that the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. The stars in heaven were, were pointing towards his coming. The angels were coming and appearing and proclaiming his good news. The, his parents were proclaiming his good news. The old, the young, the uh, men and women, the deaf uh, hear, the dumb speak, the barren bring forth the children. Uh, mm. the, we see this, the whole world starts screaming that their Lord has come. And we see this uh, on and John and Zachary and Elizabeth and Simeon and Anna. There's so many uh, prophets that just that pop up uh, proclaiming the coming of our Lord for this is a time in which our Lord comes uh, and we have about two minutes until we go to break and we are looking for a caller for our game show at 877-757-9424 and the first caller will take uh, but what did you think Joe what do you think about that well, just to remind everybody, yesterday we got a bunch of phone calls. So if you tried calling yesterday to be a part of our game show, if you're the first caller today, well, then you get to be the contestant. So in, uh, it's a great opportunity, 877-757-9424. Uh, you know, one of the th- points that uh, Cornelius Alapidae made in his commentary on this today's gospel was the shepherd saw Christ, the Magi adored him, but Simeon and Anna embraced him. And I just really want to reiterate that point because, again, as we grow, uh, as we grow in grace, as we grow in spiritual maturity, it's important for us to embrace the Christ. And I think of my own journey. I had a mystical encounter with Christ that changed my life in 2002. I went on a very intellectual journey at that point to discover Christ, who he is, what is, what is the true church, and, uh, and get to give my fiat to the church, even though I I struggle to understand some of the teachings. And at some point, you know, because after so many years of apologetic study and biblical study and and history and all of that, at some point, you have to grow beyond this intellectual uh, level and you have to grow spiritually. And I really feel that that's also a part of this, um, this, this message here that Cornelius gives us, like Simeon and Anna, um, we must embrace. We can't just see Christ. We can't just adore Christ. We must do those things 
and embrace Christ. And I feel like that's the opportunity to grow in spiritual maturity and a great takeaway for, from today's gospel. I'm just glad so, we're all talking about Cornelius Alapide now. I, well, that's part of our sneaky little agenda, so let's not tell anybody that we're do, what we're doing here. But They're all pawns just, in our game. Just between us, so this is not public, right? Uh, we're sharing information that they would not have otherwise looked up for themselves. People like Cornelius Alapide, great biblical scholars, and, uh, and the trivia game that we're going to be doing here in a moment. It's just a sneaky way to teach the faith, to share the faith, have a nice little laugh in the process, and give away prizes. And the fun part is the caller does not even need to know the answers to the questions to get the opportunity to win the prize. Oh, it's a win-win-win for everybody, and the phone number is 877-757-9424. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back with our trivia game show. It's called uh, Fear and Trembling, which we stole the blatantly from uh, St. Paul in uh, Philippians. So there you go. That's our sneaky little plan. Our agenda, our hidden agenda for the world is to share the good, the true, and the beautiful, the powerful uh, grace communicated by Christ himself through the Catholic faith, the only church he founded, and we're trying to share that with the world. Join us in the next segment for the game show, and you can win a prize, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. More Catholic Drive Times coming up next. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read Scripture. Read the Catechism. Listen to Apologetics tapes. Listen to Catholic Radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5, verse 10. Do not be afraid. Henceforth, you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes, and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you, and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now, your host... 
Joe McClain. 877-757-9424. The next caller gets to be our contestant on today's Catholic Trivia Game Show. So looking for that caller right now at 877-757-9424. You don't even need to know the answers, and uh, you're almost guaranteed to have a shot at winning the prize, which is a beautiful rosary from olarmory.com. Uh, olarmory.com, Our Lady's Rosary. Praise be to Jesus Christ and all. And uh, here's how the game works. Okay, so we have three questions. I have the questions in my hand right now, but we don't even ask the caller the question. No, instead what we do is we ask Emily and Adrian. One of them will have a right answer. One of them will have a wrong answer. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who's right, who's wrong. They'll have a 50-50 shot, even if they don't know the answer. And then uh, every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence for an opportunity to win the prize. Now, uh, Emily, how did you come across these rosaries? So um, I was scrolling through Instagram, and I follow lots of Catholic creators on Instagram. But I noticed that um, I actually I run out of rosaries pretty quickly because I give them away. That's like if someone tells me they're not praying the rosary or they want to start praying the rosary, I will just hand them whichever one I have in my pocket. And I always have one in my pocket. So actually right now I'm down to my last rosary. <laughs> so maybe I should call in for this one. I know it. But um, so Our Lady's Armory, I scrolled past them on Instagram and we have been sharing their photos. So you can follow us at Catholic Drive Time on Instagram and on Twitter. And really, they, they, one of their cool rosaries is the beads are actually skulls. So it's a memento mori rosary. Wow. Really cool stuff. Um, and they're beautiful designs. They are themed. So they have sacred heart rosaries. The, the recent giveaway was a St. Lucy's rosary um, that they were giving away for Christmas. Um, so yeah, they really make beautiful products. It's a great ministry, um, particularly if you're looking for a gift for the men in your life. So again, mm. the number to call in for this rosary is 877-757-9424. And we're still looking for a caller. So in re- as a reminder, you actually have a higher chance of winning this week because it's a short week. We're going to pull the winner, I think, tomorrow. That's right, uh, tomorrow morning. The phone number is 877-757-9424. We're looking for our first call right now so we can have a, a, a wonderful little opportunity at giving away one of these rosaries at 877-757-9424. If you'd like a chance to win and your chances are great, call right now, 877-757-9424. Praise be to Jesus. Let's uh, let's go to the phones and uh, and see. Sophia, good morning to you. Thanks for being a part of our program. Good morning. How are you doing? Praise God, I'm alive, and that counts. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Where are you from, Sophia? Uh, here in Dallas. Dallas. What parish do you go to? Uh, modern Day. It's an modern- urban. Oh, we, love we love Modern, modern Day. Day. Very beautiful. <laughs> we do, too. <laughs> the last time I was at Mater Day, unfortunately, uh, it was still beautiful, but it was unfortunate. It was for the funeral mass of a good friend of mine and colleague, Doug Pearson. Um, yes, I was me- there. Yeah, you were there, no too. Way. Oh, wow. Yeah, yes, praise be to Jesus. Yeah, we love Doug, and we miss Doug quite a bit. And today, unfortunately, sadly, we're burying another colleague and friend, Armando. So please keep Armando Aww. and his family in your, in your prayers. Please also pray for his repose. But uh, on another note, we have a great game show to play today and a wonderful opportunity to win a, uh, a beautiful rosary from olarmory.com. Sophia, do you understand the rules of the game? 
Yes, I do, but I want to clarify that if I fail in an error, I am not a reflection of the parish. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is uh, well-spoken, very wise words. Don't worry, our fact. callers have gotten very lucky this week. They've been doing very well. And don't worry, Sophia, well, my wife it makes... it easy for me. My wife, my wife makes daily, uh, you know, uh, statements on on social media that uh, she distances herself from her husband all the time for the silly things he says Wrong. on the radio. No, uh, no, no, that's not. All true. right, so and, and let's let's play the game here. So uh, we have three questions, three opportunities to go into the coffee cup of divine providence. Uh, Emily, are you ready? Ready. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. You're ready. Okay, here we go. Number one, what is the cardinal virtue that strengthens the soul? What? Okay, so the what cardinal... What is the cardinal virtue that strengthens the soul? Uh, are these... Okay, so the cardinal virtues, are these the ones that Plato came... Was it Plato or Aristotle? <laughs> There's prudence, temperance. Uh, I would say prudence strengthens the soul. Prudence strengthens the soul. All right, let's, uh, let's see what Adrian has to say here. Adrian, what is the cardinal virtue... That strengthens the soul. Honestly, I didn't know birds had virtues. No, no, I'm just Cardinal, joking. I'm joking. Oh my goodness. I'm joking. I'm joking. I get it. I get uh, it. Disqualified. It's, no, <laughs> no it's, uh, it's fortitude. Fortitude is the, uh, is the virtue. Fortitude is the virtue. So Adrian is on the board for fortitude. Emily is on the board for prudence. Sophia, 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? I'm going, what say you? I'm going I'm to go for fortitude. You're going to go for fortitude. The survey says... There we, oh, there we go. Well done. Already, Yay! you're having to backtrack from your statement about uh, your performance. <laughs> so, congratulations. You're in the coffee okay. cup of divine providence. I'm putting your for name in, Sophia. All right. Praise be All to right, Jesus. Thank you. Now, they only get easier from here. So, uh, question number two Adrian, are you ready? Absolutely. Here we go. Who is the usual minister of the sacrament of holy orders? The usual minister. See, that's a trick question. Now, it usual. Is. The it's word tricky. usual. Um, I'm going to say the usual minister is is the Pope. That's is that's what pope. I'm going to say. The usual minister yeah, usual. is the Pope. Okay. I, I didn't know there were extraordinary and usual ministers for holy orders, so I'm going to go with. I'm just going to go with Pope. You're going to go with Pope. All right, uh, Emily. Who is the usual minister of the sacrament of holy orders? Well, holy orders means ordination, and I know that I've been to an ordination, and the bishop makes the priests. The bishop is the one who lays hands, so I'm going to go with bishop on this one. All right. Emily is on the board for bishop. Adrian is on the board for the pope. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Sophia, what say you? Well, I'm going to go for pope that he extends it to the bishop. Oh, that's, oh. I, you're trying to play both sides there, Sophia. I'm going for the Pope. That the Pope you're, is the you're on, or your answer and is the Pope. Ordinary would be for the bishop. Yeah. Survey says. Oh, oh. I'm so sorry. In yeah, fact, the he, correct answer is a bishop. Yeah, each bishop does bishop. have the power to they do ordain. Have their own. Authority, mm-hmm. yeah. Their own so authority. nice try, though. It was a tricky question. I would have to agree. It was a tricky question. Okay, so third question, third opportunity to get into the coffee cup of divine providence to possibly win a very beautiful and cool rosary from olarmory.com. Thank you for being our sponsor this week. All right, Emily, back to you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. The sign of the cross represents what two important mysteries of the Christian religion? 
Well, okay. Two things. I know the obvious one is the Trinity, which is why actually in the Orthodox churches, they'll cross themselves with three fingers as a symbol of the Trinity. So yeah. definitely that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trinity is my first answer. The second one, um, I would say, so it's also a sign of redemption okay. uh, in a sense, because it's uh, you're calling to mind the sacrifice of Christ. I see. Okay, so, so you're... Your two answers are Trinity and Trinity Redemption. Trinity and Redemption, yes. Sounds reasonable. Mm-hmm. Sounds very reasonable. Let's see what Adrian has to say here. Adrian, the sign of the cross represents what two important mysteries of the Christian religion? Two important mysteries. Okay, uh, so I'm going to say the wounds of Christ because in the Western church we use the palm of the five fingers. So we do the. <laughs> with, so I'm going to say the wounds of Christ. And I'm going to say uh, the Trinity. So that's the obvious one. So Trinity and the wounds of Christ. Trinity and the, So Adrian is on the board for Trinity and the wounds of Christ. Emily is on the board for Trinity and the redemption. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Sophia, what say you? I say Trinity and redemption. Survey says... Yes! There you go. Congratulations. <laughs> we did it, Sophia. Congratulations. Well oh. done, Sophia. You did well. Two chances to win the rosary. Congratulations to that. All right. Thank you. Now, so real quick before you go, Sophia, I'm doing a straw poll this week. Uh, was it Midnight Mass, oh. uh, dawn, Mass at the Dawn, Day Mass? Which Christmas Mass did you take in? Oh, well, historically, we always do Midnight, but this year we did not. We oh. did a Day Mass. A day mass. Well, praise be to Jesus Christ. It's still a beautiful celebration of the incarnation Uh of Christ. God bless you. Don't go anywhere. Stay on the line. We're going to have to get your information in case you're the winner of the rosary from OLArmory.com. Thanks again for being a part of our program today, Sophia. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. More Catholic Drive Time is coming up next. We have breaking stories and news, plus our interview with Bishop Joseph Strickland about the vaccines. All of that still to come on Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Atheists claim theists are essentially no different than atheists because we reject gods too, such as Greek and Roman gods. But this is plain absurdity. What's our reason? First, it's an abuse of language. A theist believes in at least one God. An atheist doesn't believe in any God. They're mutually exclusive terms. To say a theist is an atheist to most gods is like saying a married man is a bachelor to most women. Second, it's bad reasoning. To say I'm an atheist because I reject some gods is like saying I'm an anarchist, one who rejects all forms of government because I reject communism and fascism, some forms of government. But that's silly. So the claim that atheists and theists are no different doesn't hold water. I'm Carlo Brusard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Father John Bartunik, in his book, The Better Part, wrote, Gratitude is one of the most beautiful flowers in the whole garden of virtues. It directly contradicts self-centeredness, self-indulgence, and self-absorption. It builds bridges, unites communities, and softens hearts. It encourages and inspires. 
It cuts through discouragement and counteracts depression. It opens the soul to the truth and releases anxiety. It brings smiles and gladness wherever it blooms. What a pity that it is as rare as it is lovely. When was the last time you were truly grateful to our Lord for the spouse He has given to you? When was the last time that you told your spouse you are very grateful for him or her? Gratitude goes a long way in healing wounds. Give it a try. Go home today and tell your spouse how grateful to God you are that he or she married you. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. These are your Wednesday morning headlines. The new strain of coronavirus has made it to America. Governor Jared Paulus announced on Tuesday that the first reported U.S. case of the COVID-19 variant that's been seen in the United Kingdom has been discovered in Colorado. The variant was found in a man in his 20s who is in isolation southeast of Denver and has no travel history, state health officials said. The Colorado State Laboratory confirmed the virus variant and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention were notified. Scientists in the UK believe the variant is more contagious than previously identified strains. It remains unclear whether the vaccines being given now are effective against the variant. Since the discovery of the new strain, dozens of countries have banned flights from the UK, and southern England was placed under strict lockdown measures. The variant has also been found in Canada, Italy, India, and the United Arab Emirates. Democrats are pushing an extreme abortion law, even after it was vetoed by a pro-choice governor. The new legislation would lower the age for girls to get abortions without parental consent from 18 to 16, and would also allow for late-term abortions after 24 weeks. The bill was even too extreme for the pro-abortion governor of Massachusetts, Charlie Baker, who vetoed the bill. The Massachusetts State House voted to override Baker's veto on Monday, sending the bill to the Massachusetts Senate, which also voted to override Baker's veto on Tuesday. The Massachusetts GOP chairman Jim Lyons said, Governor Baker's decision, made the day before millions celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, should send a message to the lawmakers that this legislation has no place in a humane society. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has introduced a bill that combines a $2,000 stimulus with more of the president's interests. The bill would repeal a law that shields big tech companies and would introduce a review of voter fraud allegations. News of the new bill came after McConnell earlier blocked a request for unanimous consent for the Cash Act from Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, which was missing the president's demands for a limit to legal protections on tech companies and for Congress to ensure the integrity of the 2020 election. McConnell indicated on Tuesday that the Senate would begin a process to focus on the issues highlighted in his new bill this week. The man who committed an anti-Catholic hate crime is being prosecuted for murder. On December 28th, authorities announced that Jesse Martinez, a COVID-19 patient who beat a fellow patient to death because he was praying, will be arraigned on December 31st for murder, elder abuse, and religion-motivated hate crime. The victim, David Hernandez Garcia, an 82-year-old Catholic Latino man, was a resident of Lancaster, California. He was being treated for a COVID-19 infection in a two-person room. 
City officials said there is little the hospital could have done to prevent the violence, given that the hospital, an urgent care center, was drastically understaffed and their medical staff was suffering from exhaustion. Martinez could face up to 28 years to life in state prison if convicted as charged. Argentina has become the largest Latin American country to legalize abortion. Argentina's Senate passed the law legalizing abortion in Pope Francis' homeland early Wednesday after a marathon 12-hour session. The vote means that abortion will be legalized up to the 14th week of pregnancy and also will be legal after that time in cases of rape or danger to the mother's life. The, me the measure was passed with 38 votes in favor, 29 against, and one abstention after a session that began late Tuesday. This is a devastating loss for the Catholic nation of Argentina. Just hours before the Senate session began on Tuesday, the Pope weighed in, tweeting, The Son of God was born an outcast in order to tell us that every outcast is a child of God. He came into the world as each child comes into the world, weak and vulnerable, so that we can learn to accept our weaknesses with tender love. These are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Emily, for reading the headlines for us. By the way, if you're looking for the podcast version of our show, be sure to check out grnonline.com forward slash CDT, CDT. Great way to get the podcast version of our site. Plus, we post the individual hours to our YouTube channel, and we break down the individual guest segments as well as videos all by themselves over on youtube.com forward slash grnonline. Not to mention, we're also on Facebook, we're on Twitter, Instagram. Instagram, and I post us to Parlor as well. So plenty of ways to get the content for the show. But do us a favor, like, subscribe, share, and all of that. It really helps us to grow the audience, but also to be able to reach the audience uh, in light of the censorship that happens as well. But joining us right now by phone call is uh, Bishop Joseph Strickland of the Bishop of Tyler in East Texas. Good morning to you, Bishop. Good morning, Joe. Uh, it's good to have you on. Thank you for your time. We're very grateful to you. Um, uh, before you jump into the very difficult conversation of vaccines, um, how was uh, how was Christmas uh, Day for you anyway, with particular masses? Uh, how many did you say three the three masses, and were you worn out afterwards? What was your day like? Well, it was it was good, and I had uh, yeah children's mass and uh, midnight mass, and uh, good crowds, and people seemed to really appreciate being able to to come to mass and to celebrate Christmas at the heart of what Christmas is, the birth of the Son of God. Amen. Praise be to Jesus for that. Well, a difficult conversation today, as usual, and uh, I know you've been very outspoken, but I think necessarily so, on the vaccine issue. 2020 has been such a difficult year for so many of us, uh, many people suffering with with uh, the COVID and, and this vaccine supposedly is supposed to bring relief, but I see it as bringing more trouble. Uh, what What is your opinion on the vaccine issue, and um, how do we as Catholics begin to approach this? Well, um, certainly, Joe, you're probably aware that my opinion is very much in the minority, but um, sometimes that's the way it is. But I really, the main issue with the, the vaccines that are presently available is that they in some way involved using aborted children, unborn children that died before they could be born, were killed, um, and it uses them to, to be, you know, test 
the vaccine or for other processes. I mean, creating these vaccines is is very scientifically um, dense and and very complicated. But the issue to me is not complicated. If mm. unborn children that would have lived if someone hadn't intervened and killed them, and then using their bodies. To me, that's just a deal breaker. Um, a lot of people have said, oh, he's one of those anti-vaxxers and everything. And really, I'm not. Um, certainly, vaccines have done a lot of good through human history since they began to be developed. But any vaccine that uses one human to help another human, uh, a utilitarian approach like that, I, I just can't accept. Um, what I've told my diocese is that I can't in good conscience accept a vaccine that is produced in what I consider an immoral way, tainted with abortion. Um, I'm not dictating that to anyone because we need to form our consciences and we need to make those moral judgments as each individual given free will by God. But Mm. that, I think as a, a shepherd, I do need to let people know what my reasoning is and I encourage people, and what's disappointing to me, 15 years ago, the Vatican said we should really work and and be vigorous about seeking moral vaccines. Um, But they said at that time, well, it's okay. Yeah, you can use these immorally created, but be very, you know, really get on the bandwagon of changing things and demanding morally um, developed vaccines. Basically, nothing happened. Um, it's just sort of human nature. Okay, we got permission. They said it's okay. And you forget the, the second part of really working to see that aborted children aren't victimized all over again. That's how mm-hmm. I see it. So, And I know that I'm very much in the minority opinion, but from what I've talked to people here in the diocese and I've talked to people in other places, I would encourage people, Catholic or not, if you believe that life is sacred from conception to natural death, that's the teaching of the Catholic faith, then I think we do need to be vocal. And and thankfully, some are doing this, and I try to support that any time that I see a company or individuals really working toward at least offering the option of morally produced vaccines um that that is in production and i've asked my diocese or i've advised people to to just wait there are a lot of there's a lot of if if with everything in 2020 everything's controversial even you know having a phone call i guess is controversial it just everything is surrounded in controversy and that's certainly the case with these vaccines I'm no scientist. I'm not an ethicist. I I don't claim any great expertise, but I believe in the sanctity of life. And I think that these vaccines, they are, there are lots of issues with them that I think prudent people need to really ask questions about. And to me, in prudence, I advise people to wait, certainly on the issue of life, um, with unborn children that were aborted being used to in some way, one way or other to create these vaccines and make them available, I say no. Um, And I encourage others to really seriously think about that. 
Now we and live to wait for a vaccine that is uh, available. I yeah. mean, that is morally created. We live in, in a culture and a society now that sees nothing wrong with using murdered children for, for science. And so we as Catholics have to be the one, have to be the ones who are going to stand up and demand the ethical vaccine. And you've stressed this. We had Dr. Stacy Trisankos on and she stressed this as well. Um, Bishop, could you tell us about the petition that you have on your website, St. Philip's Institute? Yes, it's, um, we started that back, uh, I guess, early fall, late summer, um, because in that time it was, I mean, they were beginning to talk about a COVID vaccine, but we already have many vaccines that are used and some are mandated that to be used, even, you know, by Catholics sometimes that are immorally produced. And it's, it's very scientifically verifiable. Um, I think a lot of people see this as fake news or conspiracy theories. It, the scientists, as probably Dr. Stacy Trisenko's probably shared with you, the scientific you know research companies or the pharmaceutical companies that are working on these things, they're very upfront with what what they're using, and they it, it becomes you know diabolical in my opinion to to hear them talk about. Well, this was produced from the kidney of a 20-week gestation male fetus. Bishop, uh, forgive me. I'm going to have to ask you to hold that thought, Bishop. We have to take a break, a short break, and we'll come back. We'll let you finish uh, what you were saying there. I apologize for interrupting. But don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time is going to come back after this break. We'll continue our conversation with Bishop Joseph Strickland from the Diocese of Tyler. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child and wondering what Santa would bring? In many developing countries like Haiti, most children don't make Christmas lists and they don't expect Christmas gifts. Often, every penny their parents earn must go to their basic needs like food, shelter, and water. Now picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift. You can spark that magical moment by sending them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. It's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, it's order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. We have got some good news. The new version of the Guadalupe Radio Network app is out now. The new version offers big improvements with even more on the way. You'll be able to find and listen to your station no matter where you are and switch between our English and Spanish stations with ease. Missed your favorite GRN show? You can find all past episodes as podcasts on the app. To download or update the app, search your app store for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Having a conversation with His Excellency Bishop Joseph Strickland of the uh, Diocese of Tyler in East Texas about the vaccines. Bishop, I'm sorry we had to interrupt you before we went to break. You were you were saying? Well, um, just that I encourage people to, to wait for a morally produced vaccine. And I, I really think, as with many issues, especially when they come to life issues, 
it's really bigger than even this moment and the questions about the vaccine. And a, a, a real concern that I have, if we really believe that can, in what we teach and what the church has taught for centuries, that conception from conception to natural death, that is sacred life. It is uh, a gift from God, and it is murder to take that life in any stage along the way. Um, I really think we lose a lot of moral ground in in buckling, in my opinion, to mm. these immorally produced vaccines, because down the road, um, when we're dealing with other topics, uh, you know, the continuing question of abortion, I can hear people that are advocates for abortion, and as we know, those voices are very powerful and very loud throughout the world today, really, and certainly in this country. Um, I think we undermine our argument that life is sacred from conception to natural death, and they will be able to point at this and say, well, like everybody else, use these, you use these vaccines that were produced with aborted children, so mm-hmm. you don't seem to really think that life is sacred, and, and I guess that's my question. Um, mm-hmm. If we believe life is sacred from the moment of conception until the natural death of that person, and a life was taken in abortion, at what point is it after 10 years, oh, okay, sacredness is gone, it expired, at one point does it cease to be a sacred life? And that seems to be built into the rationale that, oh, well, it was long enough ago, which actually I don't think that's accurate. I think that it, from what I've seen, the use of unborn children that have been murdered, and I think that's the word to use, but um, the use of these children, utilitarian is, is a word that comes to mind, but the use of these children is not something that just happened 50 years ago. My argument would be, even if it was, even if we could actually scientifically verify that it, since from 50 years ago till now, the, the last time an aborted children was used, child was used was 50 years ago, I still say, okay, at one point did that little girl or little boy, at one point did their life cease? to be sacred. Um, oh, well, 50 years is the ex- expiration date for sanctity of life. It just doesn't make sense to me if we really believe that life is sacred. And I think people, I mean, the the, the forces that think abortion should be available and, and should be just something that is accepted by everyone in the world, uh, they're powerful and they're clever. And I think they can use that argument against the sanctity of life like they use so many others, because ultimately, Joe, I believe we're compromised on the issue. We are not consistently saying every life is sacred, and that little boy or girl that was used, they should have received a name, and they should have received a sacred burial even if they, mm. I mean, after they were murdered, if a, a just society would say that child deserves a burial as a, a child of God, instead they're chopped up for utilitarian uses for making vaccines or other things. And so uh, I really think we're compromised on it, and that compromise, it, it undermines our ability to really stand and say, 
We do believe that this is a sacred life, and we have to quit butchering them. <laughs> Your Excellency. Those are strong words, but that's what I believe. Absolutely, mm-hmm. Your Excellency. Thank you very much for such a clear voice uh, in the time of so much confusion. I, I do think that we uh, we look at the issue and we are, like you said, we're, we're ceding so much ground. And I think the, a lot of the problem becomes, like, people compare this to, like, using research done in the Holocaust. But I think what's failed to be seen is that the, the horrors of abortion are happening right now on our doorsteps. And it's not something yeah. in the distant past. It's something that's a reality today. And it's not simply, yes. uh, it's not just the horror of testing on, uh, on aborted babies. It's also a constant medical, uh, community. The entire medical community is currently using aborted babies in research, not just vaccines, but an entire medical community is using it in uh, all sorts of fields. Five minutes. Well, and I agree, Joe. I think you, we, uh, you mentioned the Holocaust. This is an ongoing Holocaust. It's continuing as we speak uh, throughout the world. I just heard Argentina uh, just this morning on, on your news. <laughs> Argentina uh, legalized abortion. Um, and it, it's the largest South American comp- country to do so. Um, we've had it legal for most of our lifetime. Uh, so we are compromised, and as long as we allow that compromise, I don't think we're, uh, to me, as I look at this in the, the sweep of history, it, it illustrates to me why we haven't really made huge uh, progress in the sanctity of life issue, because we're compromised on it. And it, it's sort of like we, we're good at turning a blind eye to the real issues that exist. And yeah. as long as we do that, I don't think we're going to make much progress. And to me, it is really the issue of our time. I mean, we just had this very tumultuous election, and we've talked about that. Um, and people say, oh, well, Strickland's just a one-issue man. Um, I think it's more than just an issue. It is a fundamental foundation for any sanctity of life. And we're already seeing that the elderly, the those who are vulnerable on the other end of life, those who are handicapped, those who are weak and, and poor and elderly, mm. they are threatened as well by modern society. Um, I, I know there's one official that said, you know, he, his belief is that 75 is about as long as any human should live. Um, there are a lot of people <laughs> in leadership wow. in this nation that are very powerful, that are older than 75. But Joe Biden being man, among them. Um, yeah. According to this man, he said 75 is long enough. So I guess he would advocate that um, we just start eliminating anyone over 75. And, I mean, he didn't go that far, but it's the connotation of saying, I think 75 years is enough. And he started talking about how, you know, they use words like quality of life. And mm. the quality of life physically may deteriorate a bit after 75 or before, but if we remember we're body, mind, and spirit, then a lot of times those years are where people become wise and become stronger spiritually. I mean, a lot of our churches for years, and probably for much of history, when people get to be 75 years old, they tend to be looking much more to God than they did when they were 25. Mm -hmm. That's just a human reality. And so 
this man advocating that we we get rid of those most wise spiritual people and even if they aren't even if they don't believe in god we believe they're sacred until they naturally die your excellency i hate to interrupt about that just yeah, go ahead. I apologize, but we only have about two minutes left before we have to say goodbye. And I wanted to ask you really quickly uh, about the charity issue. We're seeing a lot of virtue signaling and virtue mm-hmm. shaming going Absolutely. on on social yeah. media that if you don't get this vaccine, you are not charitable. And uh, and I think that is wrong personally. Uh, we're seeing uh, Spain tracking people who do not take the vaccine so they can share it with others. And, and uh, Canada yeah. and UK and New York State, for instance, requiring vaccines and ha- not being able to have access to public spaces if you don't get them. Uh, with about a minute and a half left to go, Bishop, what would you say about the virtue signaling and the shaming of people who say, I don't want to get a vaccine tainted with, with abortion cells in any way, shape, or form, testing, development, or otherwise? What say you? Well, with, uh, about would, a minute to go. I would just flip it back on them and say, shame on you for not caring about that vulnerable child and not doing everything you could to to protect that life why is one life more sacred than another and that's basically what what they're saying if you manage to be born and you're on the planet oh then you're sacred and and your virtue is to do everything you can to care for those people yes every life is sacred but we can't use one life to protect another um so i would just turn it around and say that you know talk to the unborn children who never got a voice and Mm. never had a chance to even live all right praise be to jesus we're out of time uh god is so very good bishop joseph strickland of the bishop of uh, tyler in east texas god love you and god bless you thank you for being our guest today thanks joe god bless all right praise be to jesus christ we're going to link to an article uh from lifesite news uh about uh bishop joseph strickland and this comment on our live video feed at facebook.com forward slash grn online i encourage you to check that out plus all the other links to the stories we discussed on both hours of the show today we'll be back tomorrow morning with a new opportunity of catholic drive time with emily alcaraz adrian fonseca and myself joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.